Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening. If you seem to sense an aura of cold dampness that permeates this room, attribute it not to either defective air conditioning or inclement indoor weather. It's simply because this is rather a special place with a special statuary and special paintings. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's episode number 1,352. If you're listening the day it's uploaded, it is a Tuesday, August 29th. Right next to me is... Janet! I got one name! Janet! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! 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 <laughs> Hi there, I am your host, Patrick Riley. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Yes, that's the big question, and hopefully we can find an answer by the end, the conclusion of this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Welcome to a Tuesday, Kimmy. How are you? I'm doing all right. Well, that's good. I hope you are getting all rested up. You're getting all uh, energized because in just a little over a week, the Riley and Kimmy Show will be taking it to the streets. Coming up on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of September 8th through the 10th, the Riley and Kimmy Show will be in Cocoa, Florida at Space Coast Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And we love this three-day event. This will be our third time back as a guest mm-hmm. to the Space Coast Comic Con. Big thank you going out to the show promoters. That is David Grace and Jake Estrada for inviting us and making us part of this fun nerd event. Now, this is not just a comic book show, not bashing those. It's not just a toy show, not bashing those either. This truly is a pop culture experience, right? Yes, lots of things to do. Yes, it covers everything. And there's panels on like cosplay and there'll be discussions about comic books. You'll be able to talk to independent comic book creators. You'll be able to talk to cosplay creators. Also, creators of uh, videos and uh, webcasts and podcasts and things like that. Just Mm -hmm. full of all types of creators and also those with collections. Right, Kimmy? Uh Uh-huh. You'll be able to find that special collectible at Space Coast Comic Con. Whether it's that brand new or that hard-to-find maybe pop vinyl, it could be there. Or maybe that vintage, that Silver Age, Bronze Age, or maybe even Golden Age comic book. It could be there too. Right, Kimmy? That's true. Yes. That's all at the Space Coast Comic Con happening this September 8th through the 10th in Cocoa, Florida. Please check out their Facebook page, uh, you know, like them, and you'll, you'll get you know quick and easy updates. They're also on Twitter and other social media, too. We have a link to them right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. There will be quite a few guests at the Space Coast Comic Con, and one of them is a mystery guest that we have here, Kimmy, right now. A little sample of. This is a mystery guest who will be appearing at Space Coast Comic Con. That is September 8th through the 10th. This person was brave. They sang not just once, but twice for the Riley and Kimmy show. Here is an audio clue. Special guest at Space Coast Comic Con. Yo, Patrick. 
here's the uh, bumper music I want you to dig out and play on one of your shows. I'm on a Mexican radio. I'm on a Mexican radio. Uh, let's see, what was the name of that band? Uh, some voodoo, I think. I'm on a Mexican radio, radio. You probably know it. It just hit me. Wall of Voodoo. That's the band. I think that's about their only hit from the 80s, which a lot of people in the 80s, one hit wonders had. Wall of Voodoo. All right. Talk to you later, bro. Click. That is the mystery guest at Space Coast Comic Con. Now, he didn't just sing one time. He's also sing. well, he's also sang another time. He decided to volunteer and sing the Riley and Kimmy Show jingle. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Don't you know, don't you know, you gotta listen to the Riley and Kimmy Show. Yeah. Yeah, he will be at Space Coast Comic Con. Think we can get him to sing again, Kimmy? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe right at Space Coast Comic Con. You know what? Because he be. he loves eighties music, seven late seventies music, uh-huh. and he's told me he really loves disco and new wave too. Uh oh, yeah. Know, Maybe we get him to sing some techno stuff. Maybe you know the song Pop Music. Remember by M? Uh-huh. I would love to hear him sing that. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, mystery guest. I know you're listening to this. Let's put that maybe on your playlist. How about pop music? See if you can sing that. Or, or Funky Town by Lip Sync. Oh, Could even you, better. Oh, yes. Is there any others that you... You get a list ready, Kimmy. I'll and, be thinking. And by the way, you can come by the Riley and Kimmy Show table. You know, put, put in a request or two. Maybe we'll get him on microphone, and he could sing a mystery 80s or late 70s tune. And if you can guess what it is, we can make you a winner. Yeah. What do you think about that? That's a good idea. Uh, sort of like name that tune with a mystery guest. Mm-hmm. And he loves to sing. And we can do it, you know, maybe around the clock at different times, right? Yeah. Say, you know, coming up at whatever time, Mystery Guest will be up here singing a, a tune from the past, a little rewind with him. You might remember this one, Sweating on the Dance Floor with. <laughs> so we'll see. what. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, get ready for fame, too. I think he needs to sing fame. Oh, boy. I've never, I don't think I've heard a guy sing fame before. Have you? The song Fame? Mm. I only think it's, uh, I've only heard female uh, vocalists sing that song. Can't remember a, a guy singing it. Can you? Fame is in David Bowie fame? No, 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 no. Fame is in Irene Cara. Fame, oh. you know, the, oh, you're not getting away with Bowie. No, no, no. I'm talking Irene Cara, you know, fame, the the, uh, the movie yeah. thing, okay. the TV show theme. Okay. okay. And hey, maybe even TV show themes. Is there some TV show themes that had lyrics? Maybe you can do those too. So get that list ready. That's at Space Coast Comic Con. You can find out more about Space Coast Comic Con at SpaceCoastComicCon.com. By the way, the Riley and Kim show is available for your upcoming pop culture event or maybe store opening. It doesn't have to be pop culture based. Or if you have an animal pet event in Central Florida or Florida, we are available to be there and also promote it. You can find out more how to contact the Riley and Kimmy show right on our website. We have an event page just for that and also our social media links. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com RileyandKimmy.com The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? Now that is the question. On a Tuesday, 
Does Kimmy want to play nerd and pop culture trivia? Is she alert enough, awake enough? Because we are recording this before the hour of, well, it's before sunrise. It's not even dawn. No sun rays coming up. Would you like to play, Kimmy? Let's try it. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions from the Nerd and Pop Culture timeline. The timeline has been adjusted. This means it is not in chronological. It is not in linear order. It is all over the place. It's scrambled up. That's what's happened. No, Kimmy, not scrambled eggs. We're not talking about that. Mm. Scrambled up. Pay attention. We're testing Kimmy here because if you've listened to previous episodes of Nerd Trivia, Kimmy sometimes drifts off and, well, answers don't always come correctly out of her example miss jane was the answer for last time's episode miss jane hathaway it was a beverly hillbillies question and kimmy answered Anne hathaway aka the Catwoman. i i okay pay attention kimmy yeah you like that one yes yeah and you can you can hear that on episode 1351 of the riley and kimmy show so pay attention Okay. Uh, let's see if Kimmy does pay attention. You can help her out by shouting out answers to whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth on that smartphone, smartwatch, all that laptop, desktop, uh, smart glasses, uh, y- you name it, tablet. If it's a computing device, hey, we can be there. So take us to work. Take us everywhere. Tell your friends you found a place that has a daily talk show about escapism. That's right. About pop culture. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Kimmy, our very first, well, category for you is something that you really like. It's a category that you're fond of. (laughs) Movies is the category, and we're looking for the decade, Kimmy. Walt Disney's Mary Poppins is released. Give me the decade and give me the two stars of Mary Poppins, the female and male. Was it the 1940s that came out, 1950s, 1960s, or 1970s? 1960s. That's right, 1964. Mary Poppins is released. Now, who are the stars? Julie Andrews and um, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, have you ever seen it, or did I you just have not? But I had the Disney record, so that's why you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. All right. Now, how do you feel about? Well, see, you haven't seen. I was wondering how you feel about the remake that's in the works of Mary Poppins. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, give me the year. You have to be exact. No plus or minus on this one because you are the Riley and Kimmy Show's Beatles and Rolling Stones expert. So you no margin of error. Okay. Give me the year. The Beatles' last public concert happens. It occurs in Candlestick Park, San Francisco. It was their fourth American tour, and it is their last tour, period. What year? 1972? 1966 is when it happened. Ooh. Yes. They toured... They ended touring far faster than what people realize. Wow. They focused just on, you know, studio recording. And actually, they did have another concert, but it's not a concert. They did a rooftop thing, the very last one on Apple. That's not really a concert. That was just an impromptu. Okay. You know, that wasn't where ticket sales were. It's not considered, you know. Yeah. You get it? Okay. Okay. I didn't say live performance. They said last public concert. Okay. And the one, you know, yeah, okay, there we go. Just to clarify that for the Beatles freaks out there. And, you know, big fans. Okay. Because there's quite a few. That's that's what confused me. Yes. Okay. Jay, our good friend in Jacksonville, down boy. Don't, you don't have to contact on that one. Yeah, we, we covered it there. It was on this date, Kimmy, 1892, 
Pop Shriver of the Chicago Cubs caught a ball that was dropped from the top of the Washington Monument. How would you like to catch that? Mm, no thanks. All right, well, that's about 500 plus feet, right about 600 feet. It was on this date in 1925. See if you can figure out who it is when I describe what happened. 1925, after a night on the town, this baseball player shows up late for batting practice. He is suspended and given a $5,000 fine. The year is 1925. Who liked to have a good time? Babe Ruth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got that right. Now think about that. Five grand in nine. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of coin there. That is. All right. See if you can guess the decade, Kimmy. Was it the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, or 1970s where this happened? At the University of Illinois, a nuclear device was used for the first time to treat cancer patients. Was this the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, or the 70s? 40s? How on earth did you get that? I guessed. You guessed correctly. 1949, University of Illinois. That happened. 1957, Senator Strom Thurmond proved he can talk for a long time. The South Carolina senator set a filibuster record. That's when he spoke for 24 hours and 18 minutes nonstop. Wow. Remember, when you're doing the filibuster, you you can read anything. You read out of the phone book. Mm-hmm. And if you ever want to see this portrayed in film, fantastically done, check out Jimmy Stewart in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It's unbelievable. It's a beautiful scene where he is up against actually Claude Rains' character in it. And it's really a true film about politics even for today. The year is 1964, Kimmy. This single is released. The song was this person's second number one hit in the United States and his third in the United Kingdom. Tell me the name of the single. I don't believe you. You're not the truth. No one could look as good as you. Mercy. What is the hit? Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. And who had that as a hit, Kimmy? Roy Orbison. That's right, the big O had that in 1964. The year is 1965. Gemini 5 carries astronauts Gordon Cooper and Charles Conrad. That's actually Charles Pete Conrad. Went more by Pete than Charles. Splashed down in the Atlantic Ocean after eight days in space. Keep in mind, that's eight days in a very small capsule. You had less space in that than you would in a Volkswagen Bug. And they Mm. spent eight days together Floating around in space. There's no bathroom. Mm-hmm. There, there's no there's no bathing. Eight days. And eventually they would go, not them, but other astronauts would go 14 days. And you know what the goal was originally? Before satellites, spy satellites and stuff came to be, the true goal, besides getting, you know, uh, how to dock and things like that in space for Apollo, was to actually use this craft eventually to put people up in space for a month at a time going around, taking pictures, sort of like surveillance type thing, of areas on the Earth that they wanted to. Hmm. But but satellite technology and the optics with the satellites advanced so fast that this was phased out. 
Can you imagine a month? I can't even imagine a day going around. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Okay, the year is 1966. Mia Farrow withdraws from the cast of the ABC TV show called Peyton Place. Have you ever seen the movie, that Peyton Place movie that the no. TV show is based on? No, I haven't. Uh, okay, they also had returned to Peyton Place. You might see that occasionally like on Movies Network and other retro film channels. The year is 1967. Did you get the year, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. The year is 1967. This TV show's final episode happens. It is so big. In 1967, this episode is watched by 78 million people. Tell me the name of the show. Here is the opening scene of that final episode from 1967. Oh, Miss Carlyle. This is Dr. Richard Kimball. See, Miss Carlyle told me once that she wouldn't know Dr. Kimball if she saw him. Lucky you arrived when you did. Dr. Kimball and I have to be leaving shortly. That is the final episode to what TV show, Kimmy? The Fugitive. The Fugitive. A QM production. Starring David Jansen as Dr. Richard Kimball, an innocent victim of blind justice, falsely convicted for the murder of his wife, reprieved by fate when a train wreck freed him en route to the death house, freed him to hide in lonely desperation, to change his identity, to toil at many jobs, freed him to search for a one-armed man he saw leave the scene of the crime, freed him to run before the relentless pursuit of the police lieutenant obsessed with his capture. The guest stars in tonight's story, Richard Anderson, J.D. Cannon, Jacqueline Scott, and special guest star, Diane Baker. Also starring Barry Morse as Lieutenant Philip Gerard. Tonight's episode... The Judgment. Yes, that was the final episode, The Judgment Part 2, actually, for The Fugitive. Who was the star of The Fugitive? Who was running around? Who was trying to find that one-armed man? Oh. He would eventually um, play in a, a show that you know. I think you knew him as uh, O'Hare. I think it was the name of it. Hario. Hario. I think that's what you knew him as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is that? Oh. Can you do it, Kimmy? I know who it is. Yes, who is it? Hario. Harry O. Yes. DJ is his initials. David Jansen. That's correct, Kimmy. Now, the opening scenes and even the closings, which we don't have the closing here, of The Fugitive had a narrator, the one who does the opening. Mm -hmm. Who is the person who does the opening and the closing? You do like a recap of... uh, you know, David Jansen's character, mm. where he was going to be. Who is that person? I was thinking that sounds like uh, William Conrad. That's right, William Conrad, who was the narrator to Bullwinkle, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle, but he was mm-hmm. also a star of a TV show. What was the TV show? Canon. That's right, Canon. And he was the original voice to, well, he's the original Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke on radio. That is William Conrad. And by the way, I don't think you're pre- you're familiar with NYPD Blue, but I think Dennis Franz who played on that show as uh, Detective Andy Sipowitz would make a perfect canon if they rebooted it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, I think he'd be great. Mm-hmm. He's just got attitude and stuff like that. I'm a big fan of uh, canon. 
Yeah. And William Conrad. By the way, if you too are a fan of Canon or haven't seen it in a long time, check it out on MeTV late nights, like 3 o'clock, uh, well, 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> in, in uh, Eastern Time. Our uh, new fur kid, we found out he likes Canon, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he loves watching Canon. The year, Kimmy, are you paying attention? We, yes, uh, I okay, am. The year is 1971. We have a sports question. Okay. 1971. This person became the first baseball player in the National League to hit 100 or more runs in each of 11 seasons. Who is it? The year, 1971. Um, Hank Aaron? That's right. 1977, Lou Brock brought his total of stolen bases to 893. The record he beat was held by Ty Cobb for 49 years. Music question, Kimmy, your favorite category, I think. The year is 1982. This song is number one on the pop charts. Tell me the name of the song. And what is the name of that hit, Kimmy? Abracadabra. Who had that as a hit in 1982? It's escaping me. Number one hit in 1982, Kimmy. Can you do it? It's... I... It's, can't get it. Steve Miller. Steve Miller band. Yeah, he had that as a hit in 1982. The year is 1986. This former studio was placed on the National Register of Historic Places. The studio is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Tell me the name of the TV show. Here's your clue. What is that show? American Bandstand. That's right, Kimmy. You got it right. American Bandstand. And who was the longtime host of American Bandstand? Dick Clark. Moving to notable birthdays. That's celebrities and just famous people. Barry Sullivan, born in this date, 1912, died 1994 at the age of 81. He was an American movie actor. He appeared in over 100 movies from the 1930s to the 1980s. Next person, born 1915, died on her birthday, Kimmy. She died on this date in 1982 at the age of 67. She's best remembered for this movie. She's best remembered for Casablanca from 1942. Tell me who she is. Here's your audio clue. There's so much at stake. All you can think of is your own feeling. One woman has hurt you and you take your revenge on the rest of the world. You're a a coward and weakly. I'm sorry, but, but you you are our last hope. If you don't help us, Victor Lazar will die in Casablanca. All right. I tried to reason with you. I tried everything. Now I want those letters. Get them for me. Play it once, Sam. For all time's sake. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. I'll hum it for you. da 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 
Kimmy, that's your clue. Tell me who it is. Ingrid Bergman? You got it, Kimmy. Born on this date, 1915. Passed away on this date, too, at the age of 67. Next person, actress Kimmy, known for a role on a certain TV show. Actually, the spinoff she's known for, but she actually appeared on the show it spun off from. The show she was part of. Her show was from 1975 to 1985. Tell me who the actress is, or we'll let you off if you can tell me just, well, not just, her full name, the character's full name. Here is your audio clue. Oh, yes, George, twice. Everything you wanted. They got the champagne, the sandwiches, the pastry plate, two dozen stupid little things on crackers. This is so exciting, George. After all these years, your own office. Can you tell me the actress's name or the character she's known for playing? Louise Jefferson. That's right. And what's the actress's name? Um, Can you do it for bonus points? No. Isabel Sanford. And what is the show she is known for? The Jeffersons. Where we're moving on. Perfect, uh, maybe TV show for the mystery guest at Space Coast Comic Con to sing. I like to hear him sing that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Put that down there on the list. Give me the Jeffersons. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isabel Sanford, born on this date, 1917, died 2004 at the age of 86. Next person, a actor and director, Sir Richard Attenborough, born on this date, 1923, died 2014 at the age of 90. He won the 1982 Academy Award for Best Director for his epic Gandhi. And he, you probably know him because of Jurassic Park. He played the guy that created, Je- you know, Jurassic Park. He's mm. one the mad, not really madman. He's, I think, his idea was innocent enough, but it became a nightmare. He played in Jurassic Park in '93, The Lost World, Jurassic Park in '97, and his voice was used in the latest Jurassic Park version because he had passed. And you might have seen him in Miracle on 34th Street, the remake, the reimagination. He plays Chris Kringle in 1994. And something I recommend is a, well, it's a forgotten film, unfortunately. It's The Sand Pebbles, where he co-stars with Steve McQueen in 1966. He plays the character Frenchie, and he's nothing. I mean, nothing like what you know for in maybe Jurassic Park and other films. Definitely an interesting film to check out. That's The Sand Pebbles, 1966. Next individual, Kimmy, he was the Republican nominee at one time. Yeah, he ran for president. He did not win. He is having a birthday today. Identify who he is. For the first time in a long time, Republicans and Democrats together sitting down, trying to work out a solution to this fiscal crisis that we're in. 
and have no doubt about the magnitude of this crisis. And we're not talking about failure of institutions on Wall Street. We're talking about failures on Main Street and people who will lose their jobs and their credits and their homes if we don't fix the greatest fiscal crisis probably, in our, certainly in our time. And I've been around a little while. Who is that, Kimmy? John McCain. That's right. How old is John McCain today? 80. You get it within the five-year buffer. He is 81 today. Next person, actor Elliot Gould having a birthday. Best known for playing Trapper John. That was in the film version of MASH in 1970. Can you tell me how old Elliot Gould is today within five years? 79. You got it exactly right. He was also on Friends, by the way. He played Jack Geller in 20 episodes. And he hosted Saturday Night Live six times. Mm. Six different times and appeared more than that, but it hosted six. Next individual, best known for hosting a certain show about rich people. That's right, and famous people. Tell me who he is and how old he is today within five. How lavish a lifestyle would you lead if you were the richest man on earth? In this world-exclusive edition of Lifestyles, we'll explore the fabulous private domains of Adnan Khashoggi, whose globe-trolling existence is so unbelievably lush, it has inspired blockbuster movies and novels which only pale in comparison to the true story you will see in the next 60 minutes. Who is that, Kimmy? Robin Leach. That's right. How old is he today? 88? He's 76. Oops. Uh, He hosted Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous from 1984 to 1995. Next person, an actress. Her breakthrough role is what we're going to ask you about once we identify her and tell us how old she is. Rebecca de Mornay. How old is Rebecca de Mornay today? Uh, 50. She's 58. And what is the movie, the breakout role for her? Risky Business. (laughs) You got that right, 1983. Did a fantastic job there. Thank you. I see dead people. It's notable deaths. This actor, he played in a lot of westerns. He played villains in other things. He played uh, played a bad guy. I'm one of the best villains ever on The Untouchables. He had a fantastic voice and a decorated World War II veteran. He was in the United States Marines. Kimmy, can you identify who he is? He passed away on this date in 1987 at the age of 63. That's right. And when I get back, I don't want you hanging around here where I can see you. You understand? Are you saying that you want to bet against me too, Steinhardt? You don't think I got the nerve, Steinhardt? There. Keep an eye on the bets, Ira. I still got some betting money left. Well, Steinhardt hadn't taken all your money, whose side would you be on? What's wrong with you? You people know me. How come all of a sudden you think I'm afraid? I don't get my nerve from this gun, Mother Shed. I had it long before I could even pick one of them up. Can you identify who that is? Mm, no, I can't. That's Lee Marvin. And if you want to see him in something really cool where he acts opposite of John Wayne... And also Jimmy Stewart, that is the man who shot Liberty Valance. He plays Liberty Valance, and it's his breakout role. And he plays a psycho. He is fantastic in it. Uh, that's something to check out. That is Lee Marvin. This person passed away 2016 at the age of 83, known for the film Blazing Saddles, but he also played in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Identify who it is. Wrong, sir. Wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in his photostatic copy, 
I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria calpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Who is that? Gene Wilder. That's right. He passed away on this day, 2016, at the age of 83. Now, Gene Wilder's version of Willy Wonka or Johnny Depp's, which one do you prefer? Hmm... Probably the classic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Gene, Gene Wilder's version. Yeah. Kimmy did a fantastic job with trivia today, and we're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on trivia. This this is something that, well, someone that I think is almost forgotten from Hollywood. We'll do that with the Golden Age of Radio. Radio That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Actor Barry Sullivan was born on this date in 1912, and I think he's one of those forgotten Hollywood individuals. And it's sad. He was he started or appeared in over 100 films. And he did his share of old-time radio work. We have two examples of his golden age of radio work. The Saint, where he plays Simon Templer from 1950 in an episode called The Ghost That Giggled. And then Dossier on A Doggone Dog. That's The Saint from 1950. And we're going to throw a bonus in, too. It's something, a, a rare old-time radio show we've never featured here on the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's called The Unexpected. We have him in an episode called Mercy Killing. That's from 1948. Here's actor Barry Sullivan on the Riley and Kimmy Show. <laughs> I beg your pardon, sir, or madam, as the case may be. Young man. Uh, yes? I saw you. I'm never invisible in September. You kicked that bird. Oh, no, I didn't. He or she was uh, browsing, grousing on a park path. Do you and... realize what our native wild bird life means to America? Uh, no. Think of the ruby-throated warbler, the scarlet tanager, the great crested green. They come to think of it, I used to know a great crested... Uh, no, 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 the man I knew was a Greek. He wrestled. The bird life of our country must be protected at all costs, young man. At all costs. Madam, I assure you, I would not deliberately kick a bird, not even a bullfinch. Well, all right. I'm ashamed. I suppose that henceforth I'll be known as a man who has an offended friend in the world. The beat of tiny wings will never brighten the declining years of Simon Templer's life. Did you say your name was Simon Templer? Not exactly, but it is. You're the saint? After our unfortunate introduction to each other, you may find that hard to believe. But but... I was on my way to visit you. Oh? I wanted to ask you to help my brother. Your brother? He kicks birds, or perhaps birds kick him. Warburton has nothing to do with birds. Warburton. His trouble is, well, a little different. What is his trouble? He's haunted. Madam, I have a feeling James Thurber is the man you want. Don't be irreverent. I beg your pardon. Warburton is haunted by a ghost. That sounds reasonable. Uh, This Warburton, he's older than you are. If you're implying by that, is he senile? The answer is no. He's a year older than I am, but perfectly sane. Nevertheless, he's haunted, I know. How do you know? I've heard the ghost myself. It giggles. Giggles? Giggles. I'm strongly tempted to murmur happy haunting, but I'll resist temptation. And what is even more dreadful, Mr. Templer, and of course you're coming with me at once to investigate the matter, 
Not only is my brother haunted, but he likes it. My name, I suppose I should tell you, is Prue Thaxter. Uh, how do you do? And my brother is, of course, Warburton Thaxter. Uh, how does he... Uh, no, I guess he doesn't do so well. Miss Thaxter, what is his occupation? Uh, Warburton has been a banker all his life. Uh-huh. It is not proper for a banker to be haunted. Except perhaps by certified public accountants. Mr. Templer, I shall want you to take immediate steps about the matter. Well, I'm not at all sure that I'm qualified to, although I should like to help. Something will undoubtedly occur to you. Something always does. Perhaps. But in these latter years, it's usually been something more substantial than ghosts. Something blunder. Mr. Templar. Your arm, if you please. Oh, of course, lady. Charles will put the car away. Charles must have been listening closely. Uh, Miss Thaxter, are you and your brother wealthy? Modestly so? Why? It satisfies a private curiosity. I've noticed that ghosts tend to haunt only the wealthy. That's either a characteristic of ghosts or of the wealthy. I'm not sure I approve of your speculations on the subject. We'll go at once to the drawing room. Which is where the ghosts... It is where Warburton may possibly be. At the door to your left, Mr. Templer. Hmm. Warburton is not here. Mr. Templer, this is the room where we spend most of our evenings. It's where we've heard the ghost. Uh, Something's been bothering me. You said it giggles. He giggles? She giggles. Uh And does she do anything else? Clank chains, for example, or utter blood-curdling moans? No, apparently not. Warburton and I heard her on a number of occasions. Mm -hmm. The sound seemed to come from the study. The door on the right wall leads to it. And you investigated? Warburton did, naturally. He went into the study. He felt a man should look after such matters. I see. He went in and shut the door behind him mm-hmm. to spare me. He stayed on each occasion some little while. I heard the giggle again and insisted on being let into the study. You were perfectly right, I imagine. Warburton let me in. There was no one there. I was momentarily unnerved, of course. Of course. But Warburton seemed quite undisturbed. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he seemed positively happy about it all. Did you ask him why? His reply was frivolous. He said that at his age, it was flattering to be haunted by a ghost whose giggle was so useful. This happened how many times? Well, perhaps half a dozen. I wonder where Warburton is. Uh, perhaps in the study. But... <coughs> oh. That wasn't a giggle, but it did come from the study. Yes, we must see at once. Warburton! Warburton! Mr. Tenter, the door's locked. Do you have a key? No, there isn't any. It's never kept locked. Let me in. Miss Tax, the ghosts don't generally go about opening doors. Must be latched from the inside. Is there any other way of getting into the study? Oh, there's a window overlooking the garden. Yeah, suppose we try the garden. All right. It's this way. Oh, Mr. Templer, I'm frightened. What are we going to find in there? I don't know. I've never believed in ghosts like things. You needn't start now. Whoever it was that screamed, it wasn't a ghost. You're sure of that? Yes. In a way, I wish I weren't, but... I don't think I quite understand. Well, let's wait and find out before... Now, this would be the window of the study. Yes. It's quite a bit higher than my head. Concrete walk directly underneath the window. Oh, Oh, what on earth does it matter if the walk is concrete? There wouldn't be any footprints on concrete. Perhaps not, Mr. Templer, but 
Do ghosts leave footprints? I suppose not. However, is there a ladder about? The gardener's shed over there. Yes, yes. Is it open? I think so. We can try. There's a ladder. A ladder. Oh, yes, here's one. Now, back to that study window. Hurry, Mr. Timson. Hurry. Ladder against the window. You know, I've always envied firemen climbing up and down ladders all day long. Mr. Templer, why are you delaying? Uh, all right. Up the ladder it is. Can you see into the study? Yes. What? You better stand out of the way. I'm coming down. My brother is in there. He is. I think perhaps we'd better go inside. We have a couple of phone calls to make. Phone calls? Yes, to a doctor and the police. A doctor? I suspect from what I could see that a doctor won't be too necessary, but your calling him will at least show the proper solicitude. Something happened to Warburton. He... he's dead. I'm afraid he is. Oh, no. Hey, hey, you'd better take my arm. No. Thank you very much. I... I don't need help. We had better make those calls. All right. By the way, Miss Baxter. Yes? While the police are on their way here, if I were you, I'd try to think up something to tell them besides a ghost story. What do you mean? Ghosts aren't generally capable of beating a man's head to a pulp. The police will be here, they said, quite soon. Now run along then, Miss Baxter. But, Mr. There's nothing I could tell them that would be of any help. To anyone. I suppose not. I'll ring for Charles. You don't bother, Miss Baxter. I'd rather walk. Very well. Thank you for having come home with me and listening to my ghost story. Good night, Mr. Templer. Good night. Here you are, sir. Huh? I ride whether I want to or not, eh? Yes, sir. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. Now, look, Charles, I... Oh. I, I beg your pardon. I, I seem to be sitting on you. Not entirely, of course, but enough to know that you're not a ghost. <laughs> uh, look, I don't like to seem inquisitive, but you can speak. Of course I can. Uh, What's your name? Simon Templer. Oh? Do saints often go around sitting on girls' laps? I am not sitting on your lap. No, but you didn't miss by much. As a matter of fact, I am now at the opposite end of the seat. Afraid? What's your name? Lorraine. Mm. I think Prue Faxter thinks you're a ghost. Do you? Now, you needn't slide any closer to me. I already have sufficient evidence that you're not. Are you glad? Uh, I'll admit that you have a delightful way of not being ghostly. However, I would like to know why Miss Faxter thought that you were. Oh, that's because she hoped I was. Huh? Or would be. Is that right? I'm not very good on grammar. Well, what are you good on? Uh, no, 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 ignore that, please. Uh, why does she dislike you? I make Warburton laugh. Oh. You'd have a difficult time making him laugh now. I know. You were in that study with him? Your silence, fear, or discretion? I wish you wouldn't say things like that. I mightn't like you if you do. I'll survive. Will you? Oh, now you're threatening me. Yet, if you hadn't waited for me in this car, I'd never have known who you are. And somehow it doesn't hang together. Because then I couldn't have been of any danger to you. You couldn't have been of any help, either. Now, how can I help you? By handing it right over. Handing what over? 
The key. The key, of course. The key to... Please, don't be difficult. I'm terribly sorry, but actually, I don't know enough to know if I'm being difficult or foolish. Let me search. Oh, no. Why not? I'm ticklish. If you don't let me search you, I'll scream. You didn't bother. You forget, I've already heard you scream. Maybe, but Charles hasn't. He'd stop the car and come charging back here probably with a wrench. That he hit you on the head with. And it's the only head I have to my name. Uh-huh. Lorraine? Yes, Simon? Search me. You look like you'd lost your last giggle. Naturally, you didn't have the key. But I told you that before you, uh, uh, searched me. But didn't you like it anyway? I refuse to answer that. And besides, we're at my home. Oh. Well, then I would suggest that immediately after I leave you, you visit the police and... Tickle them? No, you tell them of your presence in Warburton's study tonight. I can't. Because you murdered Warburton Thaxter? Because of who I am. I didn't kill Warburton, but they might not believe me. Because of who I am. Who are you? What? Mrs. Warburton Saxter, of course. Your feet are on my sofa. What's wrong with that? They're too big. Oh, you're an observant kid, Templar. Have you observed this? Oh, dear. You know, I wish for once that someone would threaten me with a machete or a Malayan crease or an original Australian Sunday boomerang. I get so tired of revolvers. That's maybe because you ain't been shot by one yet. People have tried and tried. Are you going to shoot me with your revolver? No, no. Unless you act nasty. Oh, no. I was the pride of Mrs. Thrushbottom's dancing class. My manners are favorably known throughout the length and breadth no of... No kidding. If Lord Chesterfield's son had had a son of his own, he probably would have been me. Oh, stop us. I can't contain my joy. Besides, I got something to ask you. And be careful. Remember, I'm not your best friend, and I might tell you. Don't you get tired of making wisecracks? It's a living. Who are you, anyway? The name is Galloway. And the feet are large. Proceed, Mr. Galloway. Where is it? Where is what? The key. What key? You know as well as I do. Yeah, perhaps, but what makes you think I have it? You went to the house with Miss Thaxter, didn't you? Yes, I did. But how did you know? I'm psychic. You mean you were following us? I'm a bad boy. And you think my purpose was to procure the key from Warburton? That's very interesting. One of us who didn't know before now knows the key was Warburton's. He also knows that obviously Warburton no longer has the key. Otherwise, <laughs> yes, he's very interesting indeed. Except, old boy, haven't you realized yet that you shouldn't know Warburton is now minus key? Why shouldn't I? Because Warburton is now also minus life. That is a very interesting fact, but it don't get me the key. It may get you the chair. I missed something. You certainly did. Warburton Thaxter, and we'll pretend you didn't know, was murdered. I don't like that. Neither did Warburton. Hey, wait a minute. I, I didn't bargain on no death sentence. Templar, how good are you at forgetting things? Things like what? My visiting you. Oh, no, no, I could never forget that. There'll always be a warm place in my heart. Oh, oh, my heart. Hey, what's wrong? 
I think I'm going to have an attack. Help me, Dennis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here, hold, hold on to me. I shall. Hey, you nearly busted my wrist. It's better to take your revolver away. What happened to your attack? I decided to postpone it. You know what? I think you lied about it. I'm afraid I did, but I have the gun now. Keep it. Galloway, stay where you are. Nuts to you. I got to get out of here. I'm likely to shoot you if... In the back. Stop being foolish. Heroes never shoot guys in the back. <laughs> Lieutenant Cool, I'll bet you never knew I was a hero. Go away, Templar. I was just about to take my nap. Oh, it can't be. They must have put you on the facts the case. I'll tell you all about it next spring. Uh, were any keys found on his body? Well, sure. So? Was a safe deposit key among them? Mm-hmm. His sister wanted to know the same thing. And? No safe deposit key. I see. Cool, did you leave a policeman in the house with Miss Baxter? This may come as a shock to you and the readers of mystery stories, but I did. I'm bracing myself. One more question, Cool. Hmm? If I had a key to somebody else's safe deposit box, would the bank let me get out the box? Just because you had the key to it? No. Uh, in that event, why have people threatened me, assaulted me, tickled, well, that is, applied pressure, and involved themselves in a murder case for something that can be of no earthly use to them? Template of telephone. Yes. Yeah, Miss Baxter. This is Simon Templer. I hope I haven't waked you. Oh, I haven't been asleep. Not this night. I thought perhaps you might still be up. Miss Baxter, I've had a visitor who, among other things, carried about a good deal of earth on his shoes. You know a man named Galloway? Of course I do. Who is he? My gardener. Taxi! Taxi! Uh, 14 Mallorca Drive, if you please. That's a high-class neighborhood. What are you going to do there? Louis! Louis? Hey, I'm glad to see you. Yeah, huh? Certainly took your time getting me into this. Oh, look, I'm sorry, Louis, but, well, I didn't have an occasion to call a cab before now. Is that so? Oh, of course, Louis. Well, I accept your apology. Uh, and now that we're friends again, who's dead? Scene of the tragedy. Mm-hmm. I wait. You wait. About how old is this Miss Thaxter? Middle fifties, I should think. Why? Oh, just wanted to know how long I'll have to wait. Middle fifties? Not long. Mm. <laughs> yeah? Uh, my name is Simon Templer, officer. Miss Thaxter's expecting me. Oh, uh, yeah. In the drawing room. Thank you. Over oh, here. Yeah? I've been in there. I'm perplexed. Why? No drawings. <laughs> uh, till later, officer. Come in. Hello, Miss Baxter. Sorry it's so late. It's kind of you to come and ask me questions. It may keep me from... What did you want to know? First, how long has Galloway been with you? Oh, a good many years. Where does he sleep? Garden house. And I can stop and see him on my way out. Miss Baxter, did you know your brother had been married? The police told me about it tonight. Uh-huh. I hadn't known before. You didn't really think your brother was meeting a ghost in his study, did you? No. 
I would have preferred it to be that, however. You've never met Laureen Anderson. She's cheap, Mr. Templer. Cheap and grasping. And you told the police about hearing her in the study before we discovered your brother's body? I told them nothing. It might have been safer, too. Do you know where she lives? A theatrical hotel somewhere. Which one? I'm not sure. Well, you've got to remember, and quickly. Why? Because I'm afraid there'll have to be another death before this is over. Oh. I think it was the... Yes? The Exbrook Hotel. The Exbrook. Thank you. Good night, Miss Thatcher. Good night. Good night, officer. Good night. Louis? Huh? Get out of that cab. Come with me. Where are you going? Around the house, to the gardener's place. Want him to pick you a few flowers? No, I want a witness with me. Ooh, that gate ought to be oiled. You ought to speak to the gardener about it. Yeah, yeah, this is the place, all right? Hey, shouldn't you have knocked? Unnecessary, unless I'm mistaken. And I wasn't mistaken. Oh, 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 you mean you expected him to be dead? <laughs> You'd better come with me, Louie. Okay, but I'd just as soon not meet near the corpses tonight. They depress me some. Oh, beautiful lobby. Yeah. Tom is decaying like mad and... <laughs> nice place to sleep. However, mailbox pigeonholes. Yes. Yeah. Lorraine's room number is 111. That would be down the corridor towards the back of the hotel, I imagine. This lady we're going to visit, she ain't in her middle 50s. Good heavens, no. And I don't understand it. Why do you want me along? To stand... Oh, yes, this is the room. To stand outside the door. To stand outside the... Mr. Templer, you think you can trust me with such an important assignment? Who is it? Simon Templer. Oh, just a minute. Well, you forgot to mention me. Intentionally, Louie. Oh, well, then I accept your apology. Huh? Get to one side. Simon. May I come in? Of course. I'm not dressed for company. Well, we'll pretend I'm not company. Simon, did you come because you wanted me to search you again? No, no, no. This time, I'm going to do the searching. Simon? Yes, in view of the hour, you obviously wouldn't have it on you. Therefore, I shall look elsewhere. You think I have the key? Uh-huh. I'm glad you have such a small kitchenette. It takes so long to... Oh! Simon! Oh, I'm so sorry. What did I break? A bottle of real lemon juice. Oh, well. I'll come back in the morning and squeeze you some more. Ah. Oh. Well, the hiding places in here are entirely too obvious. Where's your bedroom? Now, just a minute, Simon. Well, <laughs> that's a beautiful bed you have, Lorraine. Uh, thank you, kind sir, but... Sir, Old-fashioned I... kind. Bed post with ornamental heads which... which come off. Hmm? Simon, what? A hollow bed post, a string tied to the inside of the head, and at the end of the string, this... <laughs> That's a key. So it is. A key to a safe deposit box. Warburton's safe deposit box. Lorraine, did Warburton keep his money largely in cash? I don't... It's a little late for lying, honey. Well, I don't know why I should. Yes. He mm. recently cashed a lot of bonds. Oh, maybe $50,000 worth. May I use your phone? Yeah. Who are you going to call? The police. Oh, no. Please, Simon, don't call him. I don't like cops. I do like Lieutenant Cool. He's real cute. He looks just like Willie the Penguin. Won't like him, too. And he parts his hair in the middle and... Lieutenant Cool? Uh, Simon Templer, Lieutenant. What did you find in Warburton's safe deposit box? How I knew. <laughs> I'd given you hints enough earlier. I was pretty sure you'd get a court order and... Oh, you did. 
And? Thank you. Bye. Simon? The police opened the box. And? It was empty. I don't like the way you're looking at me. Irene, your window overlooks the alley running back of the hotel. So? So get me a pillow and a blanket off the bed. Well, all right, but... Now I'll I... shove this chair in front of the window. Draw the blind down. Here. Ah, thank you, darling. Now, now if I fold the blanket into a roll, plop the pillow on top of it so it extends a bit above the chair. Mm. Yeah. If it were blind from the outside, it would look as though you were sitting in that chair. Maybe it would. Now, you put a coat on. But... Come with me. Aww. We're going to bowl in a different kind of alley. Why do we have to stand here? Because from where we are, we can't be seen. But we can see your window with a silhouette on the blind. And if anyone comes up the alley... Simon, I don't understand at all. Suppose you were an aging woman who owned nothing but an old house. Suppose you'd spent all your life with your brother who had all the money. Suppose your brother then met and married a pretty girl. And then he cashed in all his money and was preparing to leave you. How would you feel? Well, I'd be unhappy about it. You'd kill your brother if you were half insane with pride and anger. You'd try to have his wife convicted of a murder. You'd call in somebody, somebody like me, to be around when you discovered your brother dead. You'd plant a safe deposit box key someplace in your brother's wife's room. You'd hire your gardener to threaten me about the key and then kill him before he could get frightened and blow up the whole scheme. Simon! But then, then when you realized the man you'd been using as a blind had stumbled onto a part of the truth, what would you do? You'd try to wind up the case quick. I wouldn't. You'd try to shoot your brother's wife, then make it look like suicide. Huh? Now, Louis is at the door of your room, so that won't be tried. But the alley here... <gasps> Yeah, yeah, she's coming down the alley. Uh, stopping outside your window. Haven't you ever gone? She's lifting it. That's all we needed now. Here, I'll take that gun. <gasps> it's a pity that your brother and Galloway weren't birds, Miss Baxter. What do you mean? They'd be alive. You were so fond of birds. See, Lorraine, that, that safe deposit key couldn't have been of any use to Galloway or yourself. No. But Miss Thaxter, she had two uses for it. First, she'd rented a safe deposit box at the same bank, next to her brother's. Mm-hmm. She was known to the guard at the bank, therefore she could go down into the vault and by working quickly, empty Warburton's box, which she did. <laughs> and then she planted the key on you. I'm so grateful to you, Oh, son. nonsense, Alice. Simon, I, I... I don't know how I can repay you. <laughs> You? Well, as children say when they don't know something, such me. Adventures of the Saint, starring Barry Sullivan. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Barry Sullivan as The Saint.
And Mr. Pamela. Well, Louie, that's what I call service. Parked right in front of my apartment. Waiting for you, Mr. Templer. I was hoping you would be desirous of a hack. That I am, Louie. Well, where to, Mr. Templer? Well, I'm not quite sure. You see, I have a problem up in my apartment. What's your name? Well, I call her Minerva. Another dish and a jam? She won't tell me. By the way she cries, I have an idea something's wrong. How long has she been at your place? Oh, a couple of hours. And still crying? Oh, Mr. Templer, you're losing your charm. I think she wants to go home. You're definitely losing your charm. I'd like to take her home. Well, she lost her charm, too. Only huh? I don't know where her home is. But now that you're here, I'll untie her, and maybe she can find her own way. You untie Mr. Templer. Louis, Louis, she's a dog. Oh, well, why didn't you say? I found her this morning. I've never seen her around here before, so I didn't want to turn her loose. Because if she can't find her way home, there's no telling what'll happen to her. So what are you going to do? Turn her loose. But you just said that you That's don't... where you come in. We'll follow her in your hack. See where she goes so we can keep her out of trouble. Oh, that I should live to see the day when the Robin Hood of modern crime is nursemaid to a poop. Remember the saying, Louie, do unto other dumb animals what you would have others do unto you. Besides, she's cute. Yeah. What kind is she? Pekingese. I thought you said it was a dog. Louie, that's unkind. Sorry, I didn't mean it. Stay put, Louie. I'll get Minerva and let's see where she takes us. Minerva has fancy taste. This is a real expensive neighborhood. And this is a real expensive trip. We've been following her for over an hour. You know any better way to spend your money, Mr. Templer, than giving it to me? Offhand, I can think of a couple. Say, Minerva's turning in at that gate. Yeah. Cute little shack she picked. I'll bet it doesn't have over 40 rooms. You think she really lives there, or is she only dreaming? Yeah, we'll soon find out. Louie, turn into the driveway and park. I'll take her up to the house. If she does belong here, there will no doubtless be a reward. And if there is no doubtless Stop a reward... Stop drooling, Louie. Your cutter's already on the meter. So either way, you can't lose. I'm not making out so awful good on it, Mr. Templer. Only one fare, only one tip, and more in an hour. Where's the profit? Now? Why, Louie, the conversation, of oh. course. What's the matter? What's the matter? You want down? Well, you're out of luck. Or maybe you're in luck. Because when I pick up a young lady, I usually show her a good time. So if it turns out you don't live here, why... Yes, sir. Oh, hello. My name's Simon Templer. Oh, yes. I'm sure Madam will be delighted you've come. You're sure? Of course. Right this way, sir. Uh, why should Madam be delighted I've come? You surprised me, sir. I never heard that modesty was one of your outstanding characteristics. <laughs> you seem to know a lot about me. Doesn't everybody, if you pardon the levity? I'll pardon the levity, but not the evasion. Evasion? I asked you why Madam should be delighted I've come. Is it because of Minerva? Minerva, sir? This. <laughs> oh, you mean Ming Toy. Do I? I guess I do. I should have known Ming Toy. Naturally, Madam will be delighted about the dog. But what I was particularly referring to were the jewels. Have you brought them also? Jewels? Apparently you haven't. I hope you'll pardon these questions, sir. The kitchen help expects it of me. And I like to have something to report. No. I'll issue communication from the front. Which reminds me, where is the front? Around this next den, sir. In the east wing. Ah. If I'd known the hall was this long, I'd have asked Louis to bring in his cab. My feet hurt. It's not much further. Well, let's be thankful for small favors. What was that? Does anyone in this house take singing lessons? No, sir. Then that was a scream, and it came from in there. Oh! 
Did you scream? Who are you? I'm... Mean toy, darling, come to Mama. Give it to me, young man. Here. Oh, Mama's little baby. Is it all right? She's all right, but something else isn't. Somebody screamed. I know, I did. There was someone peering through that window. Was it you? Hardly. I was in the house. Well, you have no business barging in here unannounced. Well, it seems, lady, that I run faster than your butler. I thought you were in trouble. Well, I was startled. Now, somebody better go investigate. Oh, Minnie Angel, did a miss your What is it, madam? Is something wrong? Well, there's a prowler outside the window. Go see who it is, please. Yes, madam. Now you, young man. Do you have my jewels? I was wondering when we'd get around to that. I'm also wondering... Mother? Mother, are you all right? I heard you scream. Yes, Ernest, I... Who's he? Me? Yes. What are you doing here? I just came to return your door. Return? Yes, here she is. Mama's a little oh. precious. Say, her cow's off. That's right. How did you know she's our dog? Oh. I didn't. Well, then why... Hey, wait a minute. I'm waiting. Put up your hands. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry I waited. Ernest, I didn't know you owned a revolver. Lucky I do. Mother, call the police. Tell them we've got the thief. Oh, great. Somebody scream. Was it you, is it? Yes, dear, but it's all right. I saw somebody at the window. Fitch is looking into it. Ernest! What the devil are you doing? Haven't I told you not to play with guns? I'm not playing, Father. This is the thief. Sure. Does he have the jewels? I haven't searched him. Then how do you know? He brought back Ming Toy. Huh? Oh, yes. Morning, Ming Toy. <laughs> Don't fight me, you little monster. Just a minute, Father. She doesn't have her collar, so how could he know she was our dog? She told me. Oh, we're just wasting time. Mother, will you please pick up that phone and call the police? It won't do any good. The line's been cut, see? What? Thanks for looking down. Hey! Oh, what are you doing? Wait, stop immediately. I'll take the gun. Here, let me have it. That's better. Such violence. Yeah, it's very good exercise. Ernest, you gave the young man the gun. Why? I asked him so nicely. Now, will somebody please tell me what's going on around here? As if you don't. As know. if I don't. Just who are you anyway, young fella? Simon Templer. And you? You don't know who I am? Should I? I, sir, am C.J. Allardyce. Fancy that. Nuts. I beg your pardon? I said nuts. So you did. As in bolts. Nuts and bolts. We manufacture them. You heard of Allardyce nuts? Yes, aren't they? Uh, what's that? The whole family. Beg pardon? Skip it. Our slogan. If it's Allardyce, it's nuts. That's what I said. There's no nut like an Allardyce. Well, this could go on all day. Father, I'm sure Mr. Templer didn't come here to talk business. Eh? Why did he come? To return Ming Toy. And now that I've been so warmly thanked, I'll just run along. I hope you won't mind my taking your revolver with me, Ernest, as a souvenir. When I'm safely out of reach in northern Tibet, say, I'll send it back. Well, cheerho. All right, Louis, let's get out of here. What took you so long? Louie, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Yeah, try me. No, it's no use. I don't believe it myself. Did you get a reward? Reward? <laughs> Louie, I'm out of there. Who could ask for anything more? Now, let's go. Hey, just a minute, Mr. Temple. Now what? Somebody is hiding in them bushes and watching us, you see? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's probably who Mrs. Allardyce saw at the window. Well, get started, Louie. You ain't going to investigate? It's probably only a man eating a gorilla. None of our business. This is not like you, Mr. Temple. It's not like you at all. As a matter of fact, I'm not exactly feeling myself at the moment, so don't be too surprised. But where is your spirit of adventure, huh? What may lurk in them bushes? Excitement, thrills, who knows? I know. You do? Yeah. I can see him in your rearview mirror. It's a kid. Kid about ten years old. A kid? Let's get out of here. <laughs> Excitement I could stand. 
mystery I could stand. Adventure. But kids, I got a nephew. What's wrong with this thing? Hi. Hello, kid. Hey, what's the matter, mister? Won't you stop? Oh, sure, sure, she'll start. I'm just trying to run down the battery so the lights won't work and I kind of I don't like night driving. Wise guy. Uh, what's your name, Sonny? It ain't Sonny. Well, what is it? What's it to you? See what I mean, Nathan? Yeah. Look, fella, if you don't tell me your name, I'm going to have to call you my little man. How would you like that? You win. It's Stevie. What's yours? Simon. Simon which? Simon Templer. A saint? Yeah, Stevie. Hey, wait a minute. You may not be him at all. How I know this ain't a bluff. You don't. Well, it's worth a chance. Because if you're the real saint, you and me can do business. What sort of business, Stevie? Well, I read a lot of books about detectives. Yes, I gather. Well, we ought to make a good partnership, you and me. You help me latch onto the ice, and we'll split the reward. The ice? Fifty grand worth. And that ain't peanuts. Stevie, suppose you tell me about this jewelry. Just when was it taken? You don't know? No. You're not the saint. Oh, believe me, Stevie, the saint doesn't know everything. Why'd you come here? To return Ming Toy? Who are you trying to kill? No, that's on the level. Look, mister, I happen to know you couldn't return Ming Toy, see? What do you mean I couldn't? Never mind. But I know. If you don't believe me, ask Louie. I thought her name was Minerva. Oh, you're always such a help. Stevie, why do you say I couldn't return Ming Toy? I'm not talking. I don't get it. Ah, I see the look in your eye, Mr. Temple. The mystery's beginning to needle you. Stevie, Stevie, if I prove I brought back Ming Toy, will you tell me why you said I couldn't? Sure. You won't prove it. Wait here, Louie. I'll probably hate myself in the morning, but I'm going back to the Allardyces. Come on, Stevie. Excuse me, madam. Mr. Templer is here again with the gardener's boy. The gardener's boy? Yes, madam. Well, he can't bring that urchin into the house. I'm very sorry, madam, but he has. Shall I show them out? No, show them in. I'll tell him myself. Very good, madam. You may come in, Mr. Templer. Thank you, Jeeves. Fitch, sir. I stand corrected. Well, hello again, Mrs. Allardyce. Really, Mr. Templer, this is impossible. Bringing in that... that... Good heavens! He's the face at the window. I was just a tap. Oh, me. I should have recognized him at the time. Oh, Mr. Templer, you're wonderful. Positively wonderful. <laughs> First Ming Toy, and now the prowler. Fitch had no luck whatsoever. Simply none. You're an amazing man. Sit down. Have a chocolate. No, thanks. Yeah, thanks. If you don't mind, we'd like to see Ming Toy. Why? Uh, I forgot to say goodbye to her. Oh, well, very well. Ming, come to mother. Ming. Now, where is that animal? She was here right just a moment ago. Me, me. Did you call, Mother? Oh, Ernest, have you seen Ming Toy? No. I thought she was in here. Well, she's not. Don't tell me she disappeared again. Oh, so it would seem. Vanished into thin air. My poor, it's a baby. Gone. Well, mister, now what have you got to say? Say? Stevie, I'm speechless. Mr. Templer, how come you're answering the door? They don't have no butler? He's not around. Oh. Strange. No dog, no butler. Well, what do you want, Louis? I just come to see what's keeping you this time. 
My media's getting dizzy going round and round. Uh, Ming Toy's missing again. We're looking for her. It's a big house. She's a little dog. Why don't you just forget the whole thing? Because, Louie, it doesn't make sense. She ought to come when we call, or at least bark. Well, what do I do? Go take another nap? I don't know. Maybe Louie... Hey, mister! What is it, Stevie? You are the same. Well, what brings all this on? I saw Ming Toy. You did? Yeah. Bend down slight and whisper. Huh? This is top secret. Go ahead, I'm bent. Fitch has her in the garage. Well, what's he doing? Giving her a shampoo? No. He's shaving her. Shaving her? Puts an electric razor. Well, let's go get her. Come on, Louie. Oh, no thanks, Mr. Templer. You and the kid go. Me, I'm going back to the hack for another nap. I can dream nightmares that make better sense than this. So long. <laughs> Stevie, when we get near the garage, let's be quiet. We don't want Fitch to hear us. Okay. Hello there. Oh, what's oh, Ernest? I've looked all over the grounds. Can't find her. Uh, it's all right. Stevie's found her. Your butler has her in the garage. But I just saw him go back to the house. Oh? With Ming Toy? No. Why did he take her to the garage? I guess to improve her appearance. What? Well, come on. We can soon find out. Yeah. Ernest, what do you know about your butler anyway? Not much. He's only been with us a couple of weeks. No. What sort of references did he have? I don't know. Ask Father. He engaged him. Yeah, I will. And then I would like to ask you some questions. I'm still not satisfied in spite of Mother. Look, Fitch has the dog, not me. I know, hey, but... Hey, hey, wait a minute. What is this? What? Right there, crouching by that bush. Can that be Ming Toy? Right. Gosh, it is, and she's stripped clean. <laughs> she's been shaved. She looks like a damp sock. Oh, come here, Ming Toy. Just sits there shivering. I think she's embarrassed. Here, I'll get her. Come here, Mink Toy. Cold. Well, don't worry. I'll buy you mink. <laughs> here she comes. I thought that would do it. It works every time. Don't drop her. Oh, don't worry, Ernest. I shall guard Ming Toy with my life. Well, come on. What's the matter? My legs are giving out again. Oh, it's a little out of condition. I guess. Mother? Ernest, have you found my treasure? Yes, Mother, we found it. Oh, that's wonderful. Give it to Mother, Temple. Yeah, here. Thank you, it seems your butler is a frustrated barber. What? Where's father? Templar wants to talk to him about fish. He's in the back study, but I, I, I don't understand. That makes it unanimous. Look after your mother, Ernest. She's had quite a shock. Meanwhile, I'll go see if your father can help explain why Ming Toy has been forced to become a strip teaser. me, Templar. Don't bother me. I've got enough on my mind. A son who gambles away every penny I give him. A wife who charge huh? accounts away even pennies I don't give her. Believe me, young man, anybody ever tells you it's a picnic being a millionaire, don't you listen. Take it from me. Before you make a million, just be sure you can afford it. I'll make a note of that. But about Ming told Look, me, last no. night the dog is kidnapped her. Dog napped her, whatever you call it. Uh, the wife throws such a tizzy it takes three pills to get me to sleep. This morning the wife jewels are gone. Another tizzy. Policemen, insurance adjusters, and now you... Look, I don't care if the dog has been peeled. See, I don't care. I've got enough on my mind. But maybe it all ties together. 
The dog is stolen, the jewels are stolen. I can add two and two, Templar. I don't need your masterminding. The dog was stolen first so the thief could break in later without the dog barking. Think I couldn't figure that out? No, no, I think you could. And it's possible the thief thought so, too. Eh, what's that? I have a hunch the robbery was the work of some member of this household. Nonsense. And the dog napping was just a red herring to throw you off the track. <sighs> to make you think just what you did think. That it was an outside rather than an inside job. Get out of here, Templar. Get out of here before I throw you. I'd just like to ask you about fish. Okay. Fine, Butler. Excellent. One peculiarity, that's all. Likes to shave dogs. So what? We can't all be perfect. Now get out of here, Templar, before I have him shave you, and it may be closer than you like. Father? Yeah. Yeah, I learned he has a temper. Oh, he's in one of those. Uh-huh. So if I want to learn about Fitch, I'll have to learn it from Fitch himself. Only trouble is I can't find the kitchen. Is there a map of this place anywhere? It's down this way. Come on, I'll take you. I'll talk to you anyway. Thanks. So you'll have signposts. How's your mother? Sniffing, smelling salt. And ring toy? Taking it better than mother. Yeah. Just keep her away from mirrors. She'll be all right. Look, Templar, I said I want to talk to you. We're talking. I want to talk about you. My favorite subject. It's all very well you're pretending you want to help, but how do we know... Are we almost there? My legs are giving out again. That's right in here. Take us in the kitchen to the butler's pantry. Good. Bitch! Bitch! Don't bother calling him, Ernest. He can't hear you. What? Look behind that table. Hmm. Is he... Dead? Extremely. Please, dear, I can't talk now. I'm so upset about Ming Toy. Oh, hang Ming Toy. Jonathan Allardyce. Look, I'm trying to tell you something. That man Templar, he's getting ideas. I don't like it. He's been snooping around here. The first thing we know... Well, all we have to do is to be nice to him. Nice to him? Confounded, Isabel. I'm going to... May I come in? No. Templar, I thought I told you to get the blazes out of this house. Oh, is that what you told me? I've been trying to figure it out, but you were so incoherent. Now, see here. If you want me to go, I'll be glad to. But I thought I ought to tell you about your butler first. Yes, yes, I know. You think he's a thief. Very well, I'll have the police. You're wrong, Mr. Allardyce. I don't think he's a thief. He's been cleared. The hard way. What? Somebody murdered him. (gasps) Ernest oh. is calling the police now. Murdered him. Oh. Yep, with a knife. Oh, dear, and good butlers are so scarce these days. Ah. Jonathan! Mr. Templar, what's happened to Jonathan? It looks like he's fainted. Well, well, oh, what'll we do? Get me some water. Get it yourself. I can't wait. Can't wait? Well, you can't leave me now. I've got to, or there may be another murder. No, no, come back here. Later, Mrs. Allardyce. Oh, Mr. Templar, oh. Fitch. Oh, no, he's... Somebody, please. Oh, dear. Have you seen Stevie? If I do, there's going to be a murder. If we don't, there's going to be a murder. Stevie? Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. You know what that kid done? He scrambled the wires in the engine while I was snoozing. That's why we wouldn't start people. He was detectiving, Louie. We were possible suspects, and he wanted to foil our getaway. Well, wasn't that cute? No, no, I'm not joking. His life is in danger. I'm not surprised. If I can't find Stevie, I'll have to find Ernest. Who's he? Allardyce's son. 
I wonder if he's the one drove away just now. Drove away? Did something? Yeah, yeah. A car just went down the other drive. Uh, have you got your wires unscrambled? Oh, yeah. All right, Louie. Let's go. This way, that's all I know. And you don't know if Stevie was in the car? I don't know who was in the car. I didn't see. Well, he must be. It's the only thing that makes sense. Now what? The road branches three ways. Which way do we go? Oh, oh. Oh, there we are. They went that way, to the left. How do you know? Well, there's fresh tire tracks. The others are old. Oh, yeah. And step on it, Louie. Okay. Well, in your ears. Here we go. But I would still like to know what's going on. Louie, look out for that turn. Hold your eyes in frame, Mr. Templer. Here we go. Mm. Got your eyes open, Mr. Templer? Yeah. Yeah, we made it. Oh, good. Then I can open mine. Louie. you saw coming out of Allardyce's? Looks like. That's good, but I hope we're not too late. Ah, uh, nobody in it. No. Yeah, there's a path into the woods. Come on. Yeah. Hurry up, Louie. Right through here. I'm afraid to call the kids for this. I'd still like to know what's going on. Well, as I see it, Louie, yeah? Ernest ran up a gambling debt, and his papa... Wouldn't pay off for him. Oh. At any rate, Papa was griping about Ernest gambling. Ernest, I take it, is Allardyce Jr.? Yeah, that's right. Ernest had to get money, so he drove Ming Toy away from home and put her out of the car. Yeah. Then he swiped the family jewels, and the missing dog made it look like an outside job. Smart guy, Junior. What makes you think he's going to knock off the kid? He's already knocked off the butler. Oh, yeah. How do you know it was Ernest which knocked off the butler? Because when I told Allardyce, he fainted. And he didn't faint out of great feeling for the butler. Uh-huh. The fellow had only been with him a couple of weeks. He fainted because he knew his son was guilty of the robbery, and he realized his son was also a murderer. Oh, Mr. Templer. Stevie. Where'd you come from? Stevie, you all right? Well, sure, I'm all right. But Ernest don't feel so good. Mr. Temple, look. Ernest is out cold. What do you know? Yeah. You know something? Ernest should have his mouth washed out with soap. Why, Stevie? He doesn't tell the truth. Well, what do you mean? Well, last night, I seen him driving away with Ming Toy. Uh-huh. And when I asked where he was taking her, he says, Shh, it's a big secret. Spies have tattooed a secret message on her skin. But he found out, and he's taking her to the FBI. And I mustn't tell nobody, because it's FBI, top secret. I see. But I find out now, he was just trying to shut me up. Hey, I gotta remember that. Next time my nephew gets in my hair, FBI top secret. Hey, Louie, then that explains the shaving. Huh? The butler must have overheard Ernest telling this young man about the secret message on Ming Toy. And he figured if it was true, the dog would be worth money. So we oh. looked for the message. Sure, when the butler shaves the pooch, Ernest gets wise. Yeah. The butler is wise, so he shuts the butler up. And he tried to shut me up, too. He said we were going to meet an FBI man out here. Instead, he gets me in, and then he pulls out a knife. And, and then... And what he... happened? Judo. Judo? Sure. My brother was in the Marines. He taught me. Oh. Hermes is waking up. <laughs> and you were worried about the kid, Mr. Templer. <laughs> like I told you. 
When them little hyenas is around, all you gotta protect is yourself. You, Mr. Templer, you want me to teach you some frost? Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, Stevie, I don't... It's easy. Look, I'll show you. Well, Stevie, really. First, you take your guy's yeah. arm like this. Now, just a minute, Stevie. Let's, let's talk this over. You see, uh, leverage is the important part of this Let, Let's keep it that way, now, shall we? I just pull back uh, real hard. Louie, help! <laughs> From Hollywood, Barry Sullivan in The Unexpected. The Unexpected. The Unexpected. Life is filled with the unexpected, happy, romantic, tragic, and mysterious endings to our most ordinary actions. Dreams come true or dreams are shattered by sudden twists of fate in The Unexpected. Who knows what drama may happen tomorrow or an hour from now or in just a moment? Who knows what destiny has in store for the lady down the street, the fellow at the next desk, or you yourself? Who knows? And now, Mr. Barry Sullivan, outstanding motion picture and stage star in a drama of the unexpected, titled Mercy Killing. My name is Arnold Stanton. I'm a salesman, a successful one. I live in a little frame house on a shady street out in the suburbs. I've been married for 12 years. All our friends say that Evelyn and I are an ideal couple, devoted to each other. But a few minutes ago, as I came through the front door... I decided to murder my wife. That you, Arnold? You're a little late tonight, aren't you? Miss the bus? You're usually here by six and it's five after. Yeah. Oh, you look tired, darling. I think you've been working too hard lately. You really need a rest or you'll be ill one of these days. And I don't know what I'd do if anything should happen to you. But we won't ever talk about that, will we, dear? Now, you just sit down here and rest. That's what you need, rest. Yes, I need a rest. A rest from Evelyn. Sometimes I hate her. Sometimes I'd like to take her throat in my hands and... It's always, darling, what did you do today? And, uh, Arnold, what shall we have for dinner? Why, she can't even get her hair fixed without asking me first. I can't stand it. From morning till night, day after day, she hasn't a thought of her own. She's not a real person. No, she's nothing but a parasite feeding on my spirit. If I could leave her. No. <laughs> Why, if I mentioned the word divorce, she'd have hysterics for a week. I couldn't break her heart like that. Leaving Evelyn would be worse than killing her. Yes, killing her. But how? It should be a simple crime. An accident, that's it. It's got to look accidental. A fall, that's logical enough. A fall on the stairs. No, no, in the bathtub and then... But not tonight. Tomorrow morning. Everyone knows she sleeps late. I'll ask her to get up early. No one will suspect. And then the first thing tomorrow morning... Oh, Evelyn, you awake, Evelyn? She's gone. She downstairs already? Am I too late? That you, darling? I got up early like you asked me to. I'm all ready for the tub, and I'll have breakfast ready before you get dressed. Don't hurry. There's plenty of time. Now, I don't want you to be late because of me. I wouldn't want people to say that I wasn't a dependable wife. Oh, Arnold, don't touch me. The tub is slippery, and I might fall. 
Arnold, you're pushing me. Don't! Everything seems very normal. The office, Miss Roberts, very normal. And Evelyn is dead and I'm safe. They can't have found her yet. They'll call me as soon as they do. Shouldn't be much longer. I wonder who will find the body. Probably it'll be that Mrs. Bronson down the street. Yes, Mrs. Bronson. She's the liveliest. No, no, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. She wouldn't call the police. She doesn't know anything is wrong. she think Evelyn was out shopping or something. Then... Tonight, when I come home, I'd have to find her. Oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want to go back into that bathroom. Oh, but I won't have to. I'll get a call any moment now. Anyway, by the time I'm back from lunch, everything will be all right then. Did you have a nice lunch, Mr. Stanton? Oh, you know how restaurants are these days. Any messages while I was out? No, sir, not a thing. Nothing at all? No. Were you expecting something in particular? No, no, just wanted. Well, I'll be in my office if you should need me. They would have called if they'd found her. I'd be notified right away unless... unless something went wrong. Come in. I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Stanton. I forgot to tell you when you just asked. Yes? There was a message for you... I don't know how I could have overlooked it. It was right on my bed. What was it, Miss Roberts? Oh, nothing urgent or anything like that. What was the message? It was from your wife. She's playing bridge and may be late getting home this evening. She didn't want you to worry about her. I... Is something wrong? I'm sorry, I forgot. No. No, nothing at all. Thank you, Miss Roberts. I won't let it happen again. be true. She's not alive. That was blood in the water. Her blood, I saw it die. She's not alive. Miss Roberts must have made a mistake. Yes, that's it, a mistake. She did forget the message at first. It must have come in before, yesterday or last week. Miss Roberts was looking at the wrong page in a book. Of course, that's it, just a mistake, a perfectly natural mistake. I shouldn't let a little thing like that upset me. I think I'll rest for a minute. I feel a little tired. I guess that's natural. I'll just relax for a moment. It's after five, Mr. Stanton. I'll be going now if there's nothing more. No, I have to hurry along myself. I don't want to be late. Evelyn will be waiting for me. Oh, no. Don't you remember? She's playing bridge. Oh. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I forgot. Well, good night, Mr. Stanton. So it wasn't a mistake. Now, Miss Roberts doesn't make mistakes. And I have to go home. Home to Evelyn. Evelyn. Evelyn, are you there? Evelyn. Evelyn! I've got to open the bathroom door. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no one in there, no one alive, just Evelyn. I've got to go in there. I'm not afraid of Evelyn. She's dead. I know she's dead. What if she's alive? What'll she say? What'll she do? Or maybe... Maybe the police are waiting for me in there. Waiting to see how I'll act. Well, no, I can't go in. Not yet. Not until I know. Ah, 
If Evelyn is playing bridge, if she really is alive, she's at Mrs. Bronson's. I can find out. Is that you, Mrs. Bronson? Yes. Who is this, please? Arnold. Arnold Stanton. Why, why, hello, Mr. Stanton. How are you? I don't like to bother you, Mrs. Bronson, but there was a message for me this afternoon. Something about Evelyn. Bridge, I think. She isn't there with you, is she? Yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, she is. Would you like to speak to her? Yes, I would. Well, just hold on. Evelyn. Evelyn. Just a minute, Mr. Stanton. Are you still there, Evelyn? Hello? Hello? Evelyn, Evelyn. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Stanton. Evelyn isn't here after all. She she must have left while I was talking to you. She's probably on her way home now. She ought to be there any minute. Mr. Stanton, did you hear me? Mr. Stanton? Evelyn, at last I know. The door is open, and I know there's Evelyn just as I left her. She's dead. Really dead. But Mrs. Bronson told me... They know. They must know. They're trying to trap me. The police must be outside right now waiting to see what I do next. They'll probably come in any minute to arrest me. But they won't get the chance. It's your gun, Evelyn. I gave it to you because you were afraid. Afraid of being alone in the house, but you never needed it. Now I'm afraid, Evelyn. I need the revolver. They found me out. Somehow, somewhere, I slipped. I wish I knew what it was, but there isn't time. Now I'll never know. Pick up the gun. Put it next to my cheek. It's cold against my face. And now, squeeze the trigger. And now for the surprising conclusion of Mercy Killing, starring Barry Sullivan, written by Robert Libet and Frank Burt, and produced and directed by Frank K. Danzig. And Evelyn and Arnold were so happy. Too bad. But it's all over now. Well, not quite over. Just a few words more. A short comment from Mrs. Bronson. You remember the bridge-playing matron down the street? She's talking to Inspector Cook from Homicide. Yes, Inspector. In a way, I feel sort of responsible. You see, Evelyn was such a dear friend, and there was this other person. Really, he was a charming young man, and Evelyn had been seeing him. I told her she was very wrong, but you know how it is, so I sort of covered for her, as they say. As a matter of fact, I called Mr. Stanton's office this afternoon and pretended I was Evelyn. You see, she had asked me to because today was to be something special and she was afraid she'd be late. And then later he telephoned me to check up on her. I had to say she was with me and when he wanted to talk to her, I pretended she'd just left. Just imagine. I told him Evelyn was on the way home. And then he went upstairs and found her. Like that. Oh, it must have been horrible. I don't know what he thought, but he must have been overcome. People don't kill themselves unless they are. 
Anyway, he never found out about the young man. It makes sort of a perfect ending. Poor Mr. Stanton. He loved her so. Mercy Killing, starring Barry Sullivan, was transcribed in Hollywood. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about The Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus